Friends in Christ, children of God, I bring to you grace and mercy, peace and joy from our Heavenly Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. <gasps> I don't know what to say. <laughs> right, that, that's the reason. Yeah, you like that, huh? <laughs> Is that not the response you're looking for when they open their presents? I mean, it's the response you sort of hope for if you are the one that gets down on your knee and proposes and puts that little rock out there and says, hey, I want to commit the rest of my life to you. A, like, I don't know what to say. And maybe not even the, but the, literally, silence. Uh, just uh, amazed by someone, just blown away, don't know what to say. The car dealerships would like you to think that uh, a new car with a big red bow on the top, which does anybody know where you find those big red bows? Anybody? No? Do the dealerships have those? I'm not seeing them. Anyways, uh, if you get the big red bow, then you'll get the, I don't know what to say. Or uh, the jewelry makers, you know, they, they come up with something new every year, and this shape now means this thing, and if you want to mean that, then you've got to buy this necklace or ring or whatever for whomever, and that they would say, I don't know what to say. The sort of thing that's, when you unwrap the presents, and they, you anticipate the looks on the faces of those who would receive it, and you hope they would say something like when they finally find their words, and you just know me so well. You, it's, it's just perfect. This is something I would never do for myself, and man, this, this really changes my life. Now, maybe that feels a bit Hallmark Channel. Any Hallmark takers out there? You're watching the Hallmark? Okay, yeah, good for you. It's the same plot every time, same. <laughs> Every time. But yet, but yet we hang on to it. Because it seems like for in our own lives, those opportunities of soul shaking, man, this is the one, things finally turned around and I love it and it came and all came together kind of things seem so few and far between. Maybe a once in a lifetime, twice in a lifetime kind of thing, maybe. Friends, that, the idea that joy is only that, is a lie. It's a full-on lie. That The truth was read for us just a moment ago, and if you want to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 3, we're going to read it in a sec here. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. That we have been born. We've been given new birth. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his grace mercy because he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. And you skip down a little bit further, uh, down to the end there, that we are shielded uh, by God's power until the coming of salvation. And then that last verse together, uh, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For verse 9, you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Not you one day will be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. You are filled with an inexpressible 
and glorious joy. You are filled with a socks blown off away, I don't know what to say, joy today, now, and every day. This is why uh, at this time of the year, uh, we light the Advent wreath. Uh, We're on to candle number three now. This one, a different color. Anybody have an Advent wreath at home? Some of you? Okay, very good. Anybody light some of them? We have ours sitting on the table. We've lit it maybe twice. Like, I'm, I'm not, yeah. Anyways, uh, so the, along to the, the pink candle, one of a different color uh, that's supposed to uh, remind us that within this season of Advent where we often talk about a light in the darkness, we talk about how uh, the, the heaviness of things, the, the end times, the judgment that comes along with that, but yet the hope that comes with it and the light that points us to, this is kind of the, the break in the midst of it. The, the, I want you to see that you not only have peace and hope, but there also is Joy. We light that candle this week to say in the midst of the dark darkness, there still is joy. But I must confess, in the same way as our Advent wreath probably could get some more mileage at our house, uh, some more joy could much more be a part of my own everyday experience. And I think there's quite a few reasons. I wonder if any of them are similar to your own life, why, why joy isn't our daily jam. I think sometimes we settle for faux joy. Like, uh, the joy of, like, goal! Any, any, any World Cup fans? No? A few. One, two, there. Thank you. Did you realize the rest of the world is, like, caring about this? It's kind of the biggest thing, like, bigger than NFL? Whatever. Anyways. Any MMA people out there? Yeah, you see a knockout, like, the, watch the highlight reel on those, and the guy just, boom, lights out. I mean, there's some, like, intense situations uh, that, that you can watch highlight reels on YouTube, or, or maybe it's the, the Hail Mary, uh, last minute, catches it in the end zone, and bobbles it a little bit, but then pulls it together, and then goes down and wins the game. I mean, sports have lots of opportunity for joy, but friends, it is just faux joy in comparison. Faux joy also comes wrapped in more than we should packaging often. We spend more than we should for the high of possessing or purchasing. We eat more than we should for the joy of the taste, uh, the chase of a, a novel or different experience out there for those of you that are foodies, the satisfaction of a belly that is full, the sort of buzz. It's both physical and mental when I get a chance to try that new thing or be full of all the good stuff. Maybe it's indulge in entertainment more than we should. Uh, just, just another minute of scrolling, just another YouTube video. It, it helps me forget for at least a bit. Helps me live in a fantasy world of whatever my Netflix series has uh, led me to. Helps me escape and thus cope with the real world for a time. Work more than we should, whether that's paid work or, or work uh, in your own home, care for your children, your parents, your neighbors, your community. We fill the space in a way that offers a, a fleeting joy of accomplishment. It f- fights off minds that if otherwise given space, if we slowed down long enough that we would actually notice how largely empty and joyless life is. We look to other people sometimes more than we should, desiring to be known and to love, be loved and accepted, to have the joy of one that delights in me, that, that is pleased with me. But even there, the, the affirmation never lasts, the sense of being satisfied with their love 
wears off. These are faux joy as we look in more than we should places. It is not the inexpressible and glorious joy that Peter encourages new believers to expect that they have through the living hope, the resurrection of Jesus. No, real joy is not event-based and it is not occasional. It is not an emotion, but it is a lifestyle. And it's a lifestyle based in trust. Say that with me, a lifestyle based in trust. One more time, a lifestyle based in trust. Paul Tripp says it this way. It's a lifestyle where what you know to be true. It's based on what you know to be true, resulting in a life of thankfulness and expectancy. It's not based on the things around me, but a sturdy rest and a, and a peace that I then bring to the world around me. Anybody familiar with uh, Tim Elmore, Habitudes? Confirmation students, you should raise your hands. Yes, you guys just did this recently, I think. Uh, anyways, I don't know if you've done this one yet, but he has this principle of a thermometer versus a thermostat. Anybody familiar with that one? Okay, a little bit. Essentially, he says, uh, you can be one or the other in the course of, or any given situation. A thermometer takes the temperature of what the room is. So a thermometer changes to whatever the temperature in the room is. A thermostat is the one that influences the rest of the room to make it the temperature that they want it to be. A thermometer gets moved. A thermostat changes the temperature. It's what we know to be true that gives us this inexpressible and glorious joy and makes us to be thermostats that change the temperature in the room, that changes the way that we look at the situations around us and the things that we interact with. It's what we know to be true, this lifestyle based on trust that allows us to wake up every day with this blown away, I don't know what to say, joy. A joy that will lead us to each and every day, if we take time to consider it, that we'd look to God and say, man, you do know me so well. It, it's perfect. I would never be able to do this for my life, and yes, it changes everything. I mean, consider the gift. He knows my deepest need is to be saved eternally from being separated from him. He knows me so well. And his gift is perfect. A gift uh, given at Christmas eventually will, will wear out, be forgotten, fade away. Distinct from any kind of faux joy that fades, this gift is perfectly complete and it does last forever. I mean, First Peter, it's an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Never. And it is something we could never do ourselves. And it does change our lives for we are receiving the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Do you know what to say? I'm not sure I do. And it doesn't stop there. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. I reference that verse because I think in the midst of all this talk of, of joy and faux joy and, and more than I should joy and all that kind of stuff, He's given us a Holy Spirit to remind us of these truths even while we get distracted, even while we're semi satisfied in faux joy. He's still speaking especially in those times when we're discontent, when we just chase on to the next thing and then to the next thing and then to the next thing. And I don't know if we take the time to pause and say, you know what, I, I, I am discontent. But if you did, it seems to me that God works in that discontentment in a way that delivers this gift of joy. 
Because as the things in the world don't fully satisfy, as they only give faux joy, it leaves us with the inner thought, if we're willing to pause and consider it for a moment, it leaves us with the inner thought, there has got to be something better. There has got to be something more. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit tries to get our attention like a two-year-old on Christmas morning, flipping on the lights, saying, hey, mom and dad, it's time to go downstairs because there's presents to open. That's what he's saying. When you feel that discontentment in your life, the Holy Spirit is knocking on your door hard like a two-year-old flipping the lights on, saying, hey, you got something that you need to pay attention to. This is how he works in discontentment. He's saying, come downstairs, come see it, come open it. Let's take a look and enjoy it again together for creation was never meant to satisfy you. It's a gift for you for sure, but not the thing that would satisfy. He created things to be pleasurable so it would point us to the ultimate pleasure, the ultimate pleasure of our heart, your creator, your father, and your redeemer, Jesus Christ. God is working for your good. He's saying, come see it again. Come get your socks blown away, blown off again. Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Let's say that along with me. For the joy set before him, endured the cross. I don't know what to say. It was, it was his joy to take that on for me. <laughs> heard a million times before, but it still boggles me that it was his joy to die in my place, that it was the joy of the Father to give his Son for you and for me. He really does know us well. It's perfect. We really never could have done that for ourselves, and it does change everything. And when I begin to think about it, when I pause long enough, it, joy does begin to break through, like like the first flower of spring, like breaking up through the snow, just a little bit at a time. Man, it'd be great if that could more fully be our reality. But friends, I think if we're gonna get there, we need to turn from how we're getting that way on our own, or the other ways that we strive to get there. There's not just this faux joy, but there's the reality that I can know this to be true, I can have this lifestyle, but I can chase it in other directions, like, like the fake it till you make it joy. Like, you don't pretend your way into this. Real joy is not what everyone else thinks you've got because that's what you project on the outside. No, real joy is actually something you can honestly experience at your core. Real joy also won't be found through denial. It can't be a, a hiding away what's hard, but rather an, an admitting and a, a laying before it and trusting in prayer and uh, talking to a counselor if you need to so that you can talk about the things that are difficult in life and put them before him. Joy is not gonna be found in the denial of those things. Real joy is not gonna be done either in, in selfishly doing what's best for you. Uh, any of you that are caretakers out there, uh, parents of either young children or teenagers or kids that are out of the house, you, you know what I'm talking about, that there's, there's this burden that you carry on your heart. Those of you that are caring for, for aging parents or maybe in the course of your job, there's lots of people that you're responsible for and this, this caring for others is just what you're doing all over the place. We have this thought potentially that if, if that's your role in life and the things that you do, there's a tendency to flip from, from all care for others to all care for me. 
And then maybe in that I would find joy. Maybe if I could just hold everyone else at a distance for a time, then I would finally find the joy. This isn't the joy that he's calling you to. This isn't the real joy that it's available to you. We don't do it by ignoring the needs of others. It also will not be the result of just wishful thinking. It's not just a mental game that I play. In fact, our intentions are quite inadequate. I'm going to give you a phrase. I learned it from Andy Stanley. It summarizes this simple truth that I think directs us here. And he says it this way. Direction determines destination. Say it with me. Direction determines destination. So the path that I'm on is going to determine which direction or which destination I'm going to end up. I must choose a direction, an action, a next step in order to actually get to the destination I want to intend to, want to uh, arrive at. Which leads me to wonder, uh, where am I aimed? How, How often am I aimed at remembering, receiving again the new life that it says that I have? How often does... Does your self-talk, the things, I mean, the person you talk to most in your life is you. So how often does the talk in your own head point you back to, hey, I'm born again today? How often in your writing in your journal, if you're a writer, does it say, like, I'm a born-again child of God? How often is living hope on your lips and in your conversations? I mean, if direction determines destination. I should look at the things that I'm consuming and to what extent they point me to the truth. Does the media that you consume point you to the inheritance that doesn't ever perish, spoil, or fade? Who do you follow on Facebook? Which shorts do you catch on YouTube? Does your TikTok or Instagram feeds uh, include those who illuminate this good news that you are shielded by God's power until the coming of the world's salvation? Do you choose playlists with intentionality on Spotify or Apple Music? Are some of your friends those who are speaking these to you? You're here in worship, but when you are, are you attentive enough and open enough that it would point you in this direction, or do you stay in the same direction and just kind of listen to these things along the way and then stay in that same direction again when you go home? How consistently are your devotions and prayer time illuminating this destination for you? How intentional are you at making space for Sabbath, solitude, silence, so that the Holy Spirit's voice can be heard, so that you can discern the discontent that leaves you chasing, so that you can admit there is something more that I'm longing for, so that you can hear again the things in which we can put our trust. That you are saved, that you do have new birth, that it is secure, and then you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And then you can speak uh, along with the psalmist, Psalm 16. I want you to pull out your bulletin now. Uh, take a look on the back of it. There is uh, a small verse on the the colorful back part there, and I want you to read it along with me. It says, joy up at the top, but the verse in quotes below it, Psalm 16, 11. Let's read that together. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. When you're in the presence of God, you have this fullness 
of joy. He's with you. His spirit is calling to you through and in the midst of your discontentment. He is calling you through faux joy and in the midst of, of the joy that comes through through faking it or denial or ignoring other people's needs or wishful thinking, and he's inviting us to the path of life. If joy is already your everyday experience, stay on the path you're on. If it's not, then perhaps it is not your first inclination. Not the first place you look or the first place you turn. So let this be a reminder. I have joy. I mean, stick it on a sticky note and put it on your mirror somewhere. Take this verse and set it on your your desk, on your bathroom counter, uh, on your kitchen counter, someplace that you will see it. Uh, Tuck it uh, in front of the speedometer on your car so you have to look at it every time you put it in uh, before you drive. Yeah, please do it before you drive. Um, Pull this out of the way. Because you have an invitation to the path of life where there is, is, is fullness of joy. Let it be the thing that you, you write in your journal or the, the, the ones that you, you follow on your social media feeds. They are out there. They can point you to the hope and the light that you have and that you get to be. I mean, use the candles at your house. Maybe you don't even have an advent wreath. Don't worry about it. Find a candle and light it as a reminder that there is joy let it be your joy candle this week. Maybe let it be your joy candle each and every day. Light it every morning as a reminder that the light of Christ has illuminated my life so that I have joy. Joy where you're blown away and don't know what to say. And I'm, I'm in awe of the gift that God has given us. I don't know what to say, but I do know that I can say thank you And when I do, and just pause and say thank you for that, even that allows me to absorb and see the gift even more. I I know that I can, what I can do is expect it. Expect it to never change. Expect it to be a part of my life. Expect it to be the thing that will come out as I spend time in solitude and in silence. I know that what I can be is a thermostat, a thing that changes the temperature in my own mind, in my own household, in my own workplace, among my own friends, so that I can be one who shows inexpressible and glorious joys and point others in the same direction, for direction determines destination. And in Jesus, the destination is 100% certain. So the joy is 100% yours already now. Amen. May the peace of God surpasses all human understanding. Guard and keep your minds in Christ Jesus, who is our joy. Amen.